0: Now, I know in our Americanized culture, we, we've sold it as fire insurance, right? Who wants to go to heaven? You have to be an absolute idiot to say no to that, right? Sure, I'll go to heaven. Wait a minute, you mean there's a cost to this? I mean, i got to give my life? i got to give up my sin? i I got to give away all that's not of the Lord, and i got to pursue holiness? Yes, that's what the Bible says
1: welcome to this day in the word with pastor john couch the radio teaching ministry of this day ministries it is a joy to have you listening today and we pray that you will be encouraged challenged and motivated to live for god like never before and now with today's message here's pastor john couch
0: father we love you and we just worship you god you're awesome now, there is none like you, God. There is none like you. Uh, we just worship you today, God. We pray, Holy Spirit, uh, do something powerful in this place today. I pray that the Word will come alive. I pray that we'll be changed. God, don't allow us to walk out of here the same. But change us, God. Renew our hearts, O oh God. Renew our minds. Uh, Speak in a powerful way today, God, that uh, we would be on mission for the mission, the gospel. And so, Jesus, we love you. We worship you. God, hide me behind the shadows of the cross. I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be acceptable to you. And you alone, O God, my rock and my redeemer. God, to You be the praise, to You be the glory, as we worship You through the Word right now. And we pray this all in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. As you're seated, James chapter 1, we have made it to verse 27. We are at the end of chapter 1 of James, and all God's people said, Amen, Amen. I said before, I'd rather go slowly and unpack this word by word, verse by verse, that we might internalize it. Because church, we know this, that when we internalize the Word, we're changed by the Word. We're internalizing it to be changed. Not here to fill a time slot. You know, not here to check off a box. Not while we're here. I'm not here to convey information. Uh, this is the Word of God. Amen? The Word. And we're going to be very intentional as we continue to go forward. That we know the word changes us, it transforms us. So, here in James uh, chapter 1, 27, I was thinking of uh, Charles Spurgeon here this past week and some of his writings. And he made this statement that really struck me. And I want to read it to you. He said this If we want revivals, and we talk about it, man, we want revival, right? Everyone raises their hand, we raise our feet, we're excited, God's on the move, all the lingo and the phrases. But if we really want revivals, we must revive our reverence for the Word of God. And what you see going on in the culture today is a work of the enemy. It's to destroy the family, to destroy what's going on that is God honoring. And we know this, church, you know this, we've talked about it, that the answer is and forever will be Jesus Christ. That is our answer. There's no other answer what's going on in your world, your struggles, your problems, your heartache, your disappointments, your pain. His name is Jesus. We must claim to that, church. We must never let go of that truth. Don't be tempted today to let go of that truth. I don't know what you're going through. I know this, though. Every person gathered here, every person, myself included, like, some people think that because you're a pastor, like, you get some, like, glory pass. Like, you you go around and collect 200, you know, without any struggles or trials. I don't know whose mail you're reading. It's not living my life. I'm not floating around on a cloud, playing a harp, eating bonbons, singing kumbaya all day long. I'm fighting a battle. Man, the enemy's coming after me, like, all day long. He's like, he's, he's pounding me with his fiery darts and I have to have the truth of God's Word. If I get out from under that, if I don't, like Spurgeon said, if there's a reverence, just a, like when you open the Bible even right now, it's on your lap, it's on some device, you have it open right now, do you look at it and go, oh, man, oh, oh, this is amazing. This is amazing. This is what will change my life. This is what will bring me what I'm craving and hungering for because it's, it's the truth. Well, here in James, chapter 1, 27, and the title you'll see there in your notes is, What Really Is Pure and Undefiled Religion? What really is it? Well, here's what James 1, 27 says. Religion that is pure and undefiled, before who? Not a trick question. Before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, we need to pray. We need to get on our face, church. Man, our country's in trouble. We we need to pray with such a vigor, such a passion, because the reality is this, I'm learning, is that on this independence holiday, the reality is that if we're truthful as a nation, we have independence from God. We need to move from independence from God to total dependence on God. We got to get out of this independence from you. Hey, you're my good luck charm. I'll check in with you occasionally. Man, I'm all in. I'm all in for you. Like, I want to make a difference today. I want to move the needle today. I want to show a lost and dying world that I serve a God who's not dead, but he's fully alive. I wonder if if a watching world is not believing our message because they've figured out we don't either. I wonder if a watching world that's totally hopeless. I mean, this isn't like we got two wheels in the ditch. No, the whole train is in the ditch right now. And and I'm wondering if if they're not hearing the message that we're preaching because they've figured out that we really don't believe it either. You know, when you get all in, and you've been around someone who's all in for whatever, fill in the blank, whatever all in is, isn't that inspiring? Like that person who you're thinking of right now who's all in for whatever, but they're all in, they're devoted, they're committed. You're like, man, that's amazing. Now take that to our Christian walk. Imagine me talking to me, but how about you? Imagine if all of us today are all in. Like I'm talking all in. Like nothing held back, nothing we're fully devoted, not perfect, we're stumbling forward, we struggle in this life, but man, our heart is, man, I'm all in. Imagine what's going to happen. Well, James is talking about being all in right here. In 127, he says this, religion, so what he's saying there really is your external worship. So in this first part, as we're going to tear this apart into three components. He says it's religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father. So Let's work with this. Let's just pull it apart word by word. Religion. It's external worship is what James is communicating. Did you know this, that you and I, we all worship something or someone? Oh yeah, we do. Oh, we do. We all do. We we all worship something or someone. Truthfully, if you want to just sharpen the pencil, we are either worshiping the enemy or we're worshiping Jesus. Remember, as it was once said that if you ride the fence, Satan owns the fence. And here, religion is this worship. It's external. So it's what we do externally. We want good, God-honoring, holy worship. Amen? That's a good thing, by the way. It's an awesome thing. But James says, look, in verse 26, he says here in verse 26, if you go back up in your Bible, James says, look, He says, if anyone thinks he is religious, James 126, and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. So again, context is always king. Don't cherry pick scriptures and put them on a t-shirt or a coffee mug. They'll get you in trouble. Always look at it in its context. And so we follow this. And James has just said in 126, look, here's the deal. If you're going to say your external worship is good and God-honoring, but you don't bridle this little vessel called the tongue, what you're doing, this external worship, is actually in vain. It's meaningless. It's worthless. So often we talk about this, don't we? We say something like this, that uh, make sure we walk the talk. And James is saying, look, as I launch into 27, I now want to give you some meat on the bones. I've explained it to you in 26, but in 27, I want to go deeper. And he says, look, here's what deeper means. Religion, worship, external worship, what's it say there? That is pure, that is undefiled. So so make a note of this. When he says pure, he means this, free from corruption, But he also uses another synonym, adjective, if you will, that says this in my Bible, pure and undefiled. So he says undefiled, what's that mean? Well, here's what that means. It means unpolluted. So he's trying to make a definitive point here. I can be a church, I can be a pastor, I can be a deacon, I can be on the greeter team. I can even cut the church lawn, praise Jesus, amen? I can do all these things. And if what I say with my mouth is not backing up this walk I'm professing, it's all worthless. It'd be better not to even do it. That we must be a people that, that guards the mouth to such the intensity because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in my heart will come out. If it's love, agape love, and and that's what he's getting at here, this purity, is that agape love. And Jesus Christ is the greatest example of the greatest agape love there's ever been. (laughs) Agape love is this, that the motive is so pure that I want what's best for you, regardless how it impacts me. Now, how does that flesh itself out in our culture today, right? Right? Not real well, does it? I mean, even as Christians, let's just be honest, let's get open. Remember, the Nile's a river in Egypt. Oh, yeah. It's also a really bad strategy. So get honest and open. We will often, me included, will do something with a motive that's not pure. That it's not pure. It's defiled. It's polluted. It's not free from corruption. James says, look, if you're going to worship... This external, I want to show you, I want to show you two examples he's saying of what that looks like. He's going to give us two examples here in just a moment of what that looks like. And then on the back end, he's going to say this, I want to make sure I put a big, big red bow on it. Just a big red bow at the end of this. And I want to show you, James is saying, something that you must do if your worship is really going to be authentic and pure and undefiled. Write down key number one in your notes. Here's key number one. So key number one, as a fully devoted, don't miss that, as a fully devoted Christ follower, I must desire that my acts of ministry will be pure and undefiled. Let me say that again. Key one, write it down. As a fully devoted Christ follower, I must desire that my acts of ministry will be pure and undefiled. Now, now, think about this for a moment. Go back up in your Bible for a second and look there at verse 27, this one phrase. Religion that is pure and undefiled before who? Say that loud, before who? God the Father. Now, don't miss this. This is so important. So give me your eyes for a moment. I want to speak some truth into all of us here today, okay? So give me your eyes here for a moment. When you worship the Lord, when I worship the Lord, I'm talking about external acts of worship. Don't miss this truth. Our audience is one, and His name is God the Father. See, typically we get this all backwards. Typically we go, well, i got to please this person, and i got to make sure they don't get upset, and I'm over here, and then we're spinning this plate, and now we're spinning this plate, and what starts happening? Man, you're running over here, and you're running over there, and you're running here, and you're running there. What happens? What happens? Your plates. Well, they start breaking, don't they? If we begin to, as the song says, turn our eyes upon Jesus, the things of this earth really do grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and His grace, amen? And so as we shift to Him and go, God, from this day forward, on this day forward, I'm going to seek to please You. And as you begin to please Him in His sovereign plan, he will take care of all these other plates you've been trying to spin. It's a work of the enemy to go, hey, just focus over here and focus over there and squirrel and rabbit, and there we go, over here, over here. And then we're just flying every direction and God's over there going, man, I'm over here. John, I'm over here. I'm right here. Have not moved. You have, John. No, it's always before God the Father. I made that note there in key number one, a fully devoted Christ follower will desire that my acts of ministry, don't miss that. Kind of a rhetorical question, but not really. How many people today are ministers for Jesus? Out of curiosity. Just me, right? That's my job, right? No. Every person who's given their life to Christ is now a minister In the Lord's army to go make disciples that make disciples that make disciples. That's what you've signed up for. Now, I know in our Americanized culture, we've sold it as fire insurance, right? Who wants to go to heaven? You'd have to be an absolute idiot to say no to that, right? Sure, I'll go to heaven. Wait a minute, you mean there's a cost to this? I I gotta give my life, I gotta give up my sin. i got to give away all that's not of the Lord, and i got to pursue holiness. Yes, that's what the Bible says. And by the way, that you'll never regret getting to the end of your life going, wow, I gave Jesus everything, but I've been around people at the end who got to the end. And there was great regret at the end of that bed, at the end of their feet, a pile of it. Why didn't I? Why didn't I just surrender everything to him? James says, if your worship this external, it must be pure. It must be undefiled. It must be that fully devoted Christ follower. I made a note as well. I, I said this phrase years ago, and I, I thought of it again this past week, but, but I said this, I, you, we must never allow working for God to take precedence over worshiping God. Now, let me say that again, make sure that that sinks in. Never allow working for God. I'm working for God. I'm on this team and that team and doing this and doing that. By the way, we need that. It's good stuff. It's positive. But never allow that to take precedence over worshiping God. He's looking for our worship. He's looking for us to adore Him. That's what's going to change the culture. I mean, all these homes around here, all the rioting, all the looting, all the viruses, all the stuff that's going on, again, the answer to all of this is Jesus, and that never changes. So when we lift His name high, we say, Holy Spirit, man, you do the work. Like, you do this. Man, we can't do this. You know this by now. I'm not smart enough to manufacture a revival. Amen? I can't do this, but the Holy Spirit can. I mean, the Holy Spirit can come on the scene. I mean, He can break through. He can remove the blinders and the scales like only He can. And we can see God through His power for His glory do amazing things. That marriage that's on the rocks can be restored. That relationship with that family member that's broken can be restored. That fractured situation at work can be restored. You say, how can this happen? My God is mighty and He's mighty to save. Titus, write it down as a supporting verse. Titus chapter 1, 15. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds, don't miss this, and their consciences are defiled. You see that? Let me read that again. Titus 1, 15. To the pure, all things are pure, but to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled, are polluted. Paul said it like this to Timothy that their consciences has been seared, been severed. I mean, you live in darkness for so long, and what happens? You start getting used to the darkness, don't you? I Man, it's kind of easy. Say, well, this is kind of nice in here. Well, it's not nice. There's nothing good about darkness, evil I'm talking of. Don't get used to evil. Don't allow yourself to get to the point where sin's just okay. Don't allow yourself to get to the point where it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. And here in God's Word, James says, I love this, religion that is pure and undefiled before God, our one audience, the Father, is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction." So visit means this in the Greek, it means literally to take care of in such the way that you go to. So this isn't just like a, hey, I'm going to, you know, visit, hey. No, James is saying, look, there's a taking care of that we want to look out for, that we want to be those individuals that we take care of, orphans and widows, that we want to be a church that does that. But I want to make sure we understand this, that he goes even deeper and he says this Phrase here, he says, in their affliction. Now, this is very interesting. Don't miss this. You're going to need this probably at lunch, maybe before, maybe in the parking lot. When he uses the word affliction, it's the Greek word thalipsis, and it's the same word that's used in John sixteen thirty three. Write that down somewhere in your notes. John sixteen thirty three. You're going to need that again at the latest this week because here's what John sixteen thirty three says. It says this, in this world, you will have trouble. Now, Jesus is speaking, in this world, you will have tribulation. Aren't you glad Jesus didn't put a period after that? In this world, you will have tribulation, period. Good luck, hope this thing works out. No, he says, but be of good cheer. Why? Because your circumstances improve? No, no. Because you finally marry that person you want to marry? No. Because you finally get that house or that car or that retirement account? No. But be of good cheer because I, Jesus, have overcome the world. See, in the midst of your pain today, church, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of what you're going through and the struggles and the heartache and all the challenges, Whether God goes your way or not is not the issue. The issue is will you still go His way when He doesn't go your way? In your life today, right now what you're thinking on, you're struggling with. Whatever that is, and maybe for some of you, you're like, which one, preacher? Like, I got them all over the place. Pick one. Whichever one right now is dominating your mind. Remember data center, circus between the ears, is where we think all this goes on right here. Like right now I could say, don't think about the issue you're struggling with and what will that reverse psychology do right now? You're thinking about it, aren't you? In this world, you will have trouble. In this world, there are widows and orphans and their affliction, the same word. It means it's, it's a pressure or it's a pressing together. When you're in your struggle, don't you feel that? I mean, you're like, there's pressure. Man, I can't take this. This is too much for me. I don't know how this business is going to work out. I don't know what's going to happen to my family. How are we going to pay all these bills? I mean, there's a pressure. It's, just, it's constant. You're like, Lord, man, man, can you just cut me some slack? Can we take a break? Just like a, a vacation for one or two days on this, God, please? No, see, understand this. Do you and I typically have empathy for those that we ourselves don't go through what they're going through? Of course not. I mean, we feel bad and we say, I'll pray for you and try to encourage them. What happens, though, when you've walked the same road? Man, you're dialed in, like you're one of these, right? Man, you're dialed in, you're like, okay, uh, we're reading each other's mail, walked the road together, been there, I get it. See, widows and orphans have affliction, And so do the rest of us. And so when he's saying widows and orphans, he's not regulating this just to widows and orphans, by the way. He's giving two examples. He's saying, here's two examples in my context, James is saying, in my day as he's imploring that reader, but he's also imploring us to say, look, make sure that as your worship, this external thing you're doing, make sure that it's pure and undefiled, And here's what it looks like. Here are two examples of how that will back up what you're saying and doing. Go minister to people that can offer you nothing. It's really easy to want to minister to people that can do something for us, right? It's easy. But when we, to the least of these, so to speak, they'll do an act of service, an act of worship that no one knows about, And we're willing to do it without any fanfare, not bringing television crews with us. Man, we're just like, here, we'll do whatever to minister to the body of Christ. Man, that's worship, isn't it? That's worship. I'm thinking of one guy years ago, his goal, his goal, his mission in life was to do everything he could to serve people inside that church, outside of that church with one stipulation that no one knows about it, what he's doing is that not awesome? I mean, that's a guy, that could be a woman right now who goes, my audience is one. I don't need it. I don't need it from anyone. I just want, God, I want you to be glorified. I want to direct all the praise to you.
1: You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch.
0: James is saying, look, we've got to minister to these folks as two examples. Write down key number two. Here's key number two. Write it down. Religion that is pure and undefiled is faith in action through self-denial. Write that down. So key number two, religion that is pure and undefiled is faith in action through self-denial. Write down somewhere else on the sheet of paper, just write this phrase down. Put self on the shelf. Put self on the shelf. I know it's hard. We all struggle with it. When Jesus says, look, hey, you guys, you want to follow me? You really want to follow me? Here's what you got to do. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Deny yourself, number one, take up the cross and and follow me. Well, when he says deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, I don't think that that's out of order. I believe he intentionally said deny yourself first because he knows this. In his hypostatic union, yet without sin. So fully man, fully divine, yet without sin. I don't care what Hollywood says. I don't care what Netflix says. My Jesus never sinned. You say, how do you know? Because the Bible says so. And in the midst of that, in the midst of that, he says, if you really want to follow me, John, you got to deny you because Jesus knows this. Jesus knows this. My sanctification, my walk with the Lord is not going to get messed up by you. My sanctification is going to get messed up by me. And I'm going to get in the way. I'm my greatest enemy. No one lies to me greater than I lie to me. It has to be self-denial. That's the whole point of this. Serving those. Yes, we want to serve everyone. We want to minister. But what's really going to test It's a great litmus test. What's really going to test the motive, the purity, the undefilement of my heart, what's going to test that is if I go serve those that can do nothing for me in return. What a great test that's going to reveal. It's going to reveal where my heart really is. Write down John as a supporting verse under Key 2, Gospel of John chapter 13. By the way, read that later. That's your homework assignment, John 13 great great chapter on servant leadership if you want to be a leader if you own a business if you are a manager if you're in any sort of leadership capacity read john 13 today it is amazing of what it looks like to be a servant leader the way ups down you live by well how do you live well you live by losing you win by by dying so to speak don't you John 13, though, in our context today, 34 through 35, these two verses. Jesus speaking, a new commandment I give to you. Did you notice he didn't say this? A new suggestion I give to you. Hey, here's a new suggestion. You know, if you've tried Dr. Phil and Dear Abby, they haven't worked out, try this one. No, that's not what he's saying. He says, a new commandment I give to you. That means he expects obedience that you love one another. There's that agape love. Just as I have loved you. Do you see the example, the model? You are also to love one another. Now look at 35. By this, two of the greatest words in all of Scripture. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So people can walk into our church at either one of our two services. I pray when they walk in, I pray at a minimum they go, I know this. I know this. Those people love each other. Those people love the Lord first and foremost, but they love each other. And by this, this is going to be the testimony. This is the billboard. This is the neon sign in your life and my life that we're promoting to all those around us. Look, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I don't have to tell you, just look at how I'm living. I'm loving people. I'm serving people. My worship is pure. It's undefiled. It's not tainted. It's not polluted. I made this note. I said, the irony is that when we serve others without any ulterior motive or expecting anything in return, this is when we truly get blessed, amen? You ever done that before? You ever done that? We're like, hey, I'm here to serve. I want to make a difference. And uh, what can I do to help? I don't care what I do. I'll even go stack chairs. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And you leave there. Don't you leave there going fulfilled? When you leave there, you're, you're inspired. You leave there encouraged. Why? Because my audience is here. Lord, what do you want me to do? That's the content life. That's the joyful life. James says, be on your guard. Don't be prideful. I can't be prideful. You can't be prideful. Don't be what's in it for me. Don't get wrapped up in the me planet and the me monster and the me universe. It's just right there. No, get away from that stuff. It will drag you down and and lead you into heartache. So how about the, the last part of verse 27? Let's look at it together right now. Here's the last part, the third part. It says this in verse 27, And to keep oneself unstained from the world. So I want you to make a note here. So this word keep is so, so mission critical. Don't don't miss this. When James says here that he's imploring you, the believer, and me, the believer, to keep ourselves from being unstained from the world, here's what he's saying. He's saying to guard tenaciously your life. Like don't hold your life loosely regarding obedience. Obedience. If I hold my life loosely, talking to me, if I hold it loosely regarding obedience, I will disobey. But when I'm serious and I'm dialed in and I'm intentional and I say, God, I want to be obedient. I want to follow you. I want to please you. When there's that intentionality, we see a transformation. We typically will never stumble into revival by accident. Hey, how do we get here? No, we typically do because... Well, we've humbled ourselves and we prayed and we, we seek His face and we turn and repent from our wicked ways and then He will bring the revival. Then He will hear from heaven and heal our land. It's so important that we keep, we guard tenaciously. Who? Did you notice this? Look at that verse on the screen or in your Bible. To keep who? Your neighbor? Your co-worker? Oh, I know. Your spouse, right? It's was your spouse, right? Keep Who? oneself. Have you noticed this by now? I don't know if you picked up on this. We're in 27 verses. We got four more chapters to go. It's going to be a blast. But have you noticed this? James gets really personal, doesn't he? Like he's talking to me and he's talking to you. We have to keep. Now, now bear in mind here, as I give you key number three, I want to flesh this out a little bit. Because it's not up to you to do the work in you. Amen? And let me explain that. Here's key number three. Write it down. Key number three. By the power and protection of the Holy Spirit, I will be in the world, but not of the world. Let me say that again. Key number three. Write it down. By the power and protection of the Holy Spirit, I will be in the world, but not of the world. So if I, you, if we think, if we're buying the lie from the enemy that somehow we're going to walk out here today and go, you know what, the Holy Spirit's been convicting me today. And, you know, I really do need to get my life together and I want to serve him more. Okay, Holy Spirit, you go back in your cage and I got this from here. Uh, Good luck, right? Good luck. Uh, You're going to be in your ditch pretty quickly. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. Now he works in our hearts to have the intentionality, he works in our hearts to desire to be obedient, to have that conviction, but it's a work of the Holy Spirit. So if that's you here today, pray to the Holy Spirit to say, Holy Spirit, I need you. You're my helper. You're my helper. I need your help in this. I can't live this life, but I know you can in me, through me, and beyond me. That thought stirred several things in my mind because you look there at 27 in your Bible and it says this, to keep oneself, what? Unstained from the world. Now, what's that mean? Well, it means this, to keep spotless, to make untainted. But also this, free from hypocrisy. Now, that's very interesting when you look at this, as you make that note there, because when James is talking here, he says, look, this is what real worship looks like. That's pure and undefiled. So if I'm going to worship, and I'm saying this with my life, I'm doing these acts... But it's not being backed up. Well, I'm being a hypocrite, aren't I? That's the reality. When James is saying here, I want you to go out and minister to those that can do nothing for you. And by the way, not again, all encompassing. There are so many different things we can do in addition to, we want to serve the orphans, we want to serve the widows, amen. But there's so much else we can do in addition to that we need to do. Oh, by the way, James says, you got to keep. You have to guard tenaciously your walk with the Lord. Don't have it be a Sunday-only thing. Don't be a weekend warrior. Uh, you know, Don't show up a couple times a month, a couple bucks on the offering plate. Hey, I did my duty. Check, check. Uh, don't get to that. That's cold. That's calloused. That's a heart that's rebelling against God. Don't go down that path. Don't do that. I've seen way too many people in all my years of ministry, raise a hand, say a prayer, do a cartwheel, sign a card, get dunked, Where are they decades later? No one knows. Does Jesus have the power to save and to keep? Does the Holy Spirit have the power to seal for the day of redemption as the Word promises? If the conversion's real, the conversion will forever be real. And as you think through that, through this process of what James is trying to communicate, you see, very, very clearly, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we're conformed to the image of Christ. Unstained, unspotted from the world, from the grip of the world. Do you know this? And for you to have kids, maybe you have teenagers, maybe you have smaller kids, I don't know if you know this yet, but the world, the world's just waiting, aren't they? The world's waiting. The world's like, well, we can't wait to get a hold of those kids. Boy, if you don't want to disciple them, oh, we'll disciple them. The world's like, oh, we got a gospel. Oh, yes, we do. We got a gospel. It's not the real gospel, but it's a gospel. We'll be happy to lead them off one spiritual cliff after another. Just hand them over. We'll take them. Be happy to do it. No, we got to be a people. We got to be parents that say, not on my watch. Grandparents, not on my watch. Not on my watch. I'll do whatever I have to do to stand in the gap for my grandkids. I'll do whatever I have to do to stand in the gap for my kids. Not on my watch. I want them to remain to be unstained, unpolluted, untainted from the world. That's why key number three, write it down. Again, key number three, just so important. Just make sure we get this. By the power and protection of the Holy Spirit, I will be in the world, but not of the world. Question. Here's a question. So I asked myself this earlier this week in preparation, and I want you to ask it yourself. Uh, Don't ask it to your spouse, to your neighbor. Don't think about, man, I'm so glad that they're going to get to hear this because they really need to hear this question. Now, here's the question. Here it is. As each day passes, am I becoming more like Jesus? Just ask yourself that. I asked myself, and to be blunt, I've had some crummy days recently. Ask that question. As each day passes, am I becoming more like Christ? Do you see that? Do others see that in you? We'll deceive ourselves, but others will prayerfully speak truth into our lives. And they'll say, well, you know, a little bit, or not so much, or hey, I think you're on the right track, whatever it might be, but are we becoming more like Christ? How about when you and I are at work you go to work, are the conversations we're in? When the off color, foul, unchrist like jokes are passed around the office, do we laugh along? Do we chime in? Or do we stand for Christ in a loving yet Christ honoring way? You know what I figured out over the years? I came to this conclusion a long time ago. We'll never lead people to Jesus by endorsing their sin. Let me say that again. Let let that sink in. We'll never lead people to Jesus by endorsing their sin. I've never seen it happen. Now, we love them. Oh, we love them. Don't misunderstand. We love them. But we love them enough to speak truth into their lives. Because it's a truth that will set us free. It's the Word of God comes on the scene, and we don't need to give our opinion. We go, hey, did you know that the Word of God says this about this matter? and we let the Word of God do the work. Judges 2, write this down, Judges 2, verses 2 through 3. So Judges 2, 2 through 3, here's what the Word of God says, and God's speaking to the kids of Israel. And they were such a great bunch of people, weren't they? Just obedient, loved to follow the Lord, didn't they? Man, they did whatever the Lord wanted, right? Well, it's not the the way the Bible unfolds. Here's what he says to them, Judges 2, 2 through 3. And you shall make no covenant with the inhabitants of this land. So here's a command. Command number one, don't make a covenant of those that are not of the Lord. You shall break down their altars, command number two. Get rid of their idols is what God says as they're taking over the land. Now here's his response based on their response to his two commands. But you have not obeyed my voice what is this you have done? So now I say, uh uh-oh, right? This is not good. So now I say, I will not drive them out before you, but they shall become thorns in your sides, and their little G-God shall be a snare to you. In other words, this, God say, look, kids of Israel, you made this bed, you sleep in it. He says, look, I'm going to give you two commands. Really simple. I'm giving you the land. He told Joshua in chapter 1 there, I'm going to give the land to you. You're going to take on the Jebusites and the parasites and the termites and everyone else. And he says, look, as you're taking these folks on, here's the deal. I'm giving you the land. He said on the front end, I'm giving this to you. And they still disobeyed. And he says, look here, because you made this covenant with the idolatrous nations, because you intermingled with idolatry, because you did not tear down their altars, here's the deal. I'm going to allow them to be a snare to you. I'm going to allow them to be a thorn in your side. See, sin always has consequences, doesn't it? We're forgiven, praise Jesus, amen? But it always has consequences. I was processing that, and here's the thought that the Lord spoke into my life, and I'll ask you as well. What altars and idols is God asking you and I to tear down right now? Like what altars have we built? What idols have we built? Just not some funny statue over in Africa, but idols that we're putting before God. Anything we put before God is an idol. Anything. So what idols right now is the Holy Spirit speaking to you, speaking to me, saying, John, I need you to tear down these altars. I need you to tear down these idols. You can't have these in your life any longer. They are killing you. Because the thought came to me as well, as professing believers, we are much better at idol worship than we give ourselves credit for as professing believers, we are much better at idol worship than we give ourselves credit for. And God says, look, if you're going to have worship that is pure and undefiled, it's going to be ministry to the least of these, but it's also going to have a heart that longs to please me, God says. Not a heart that's just okay to be in the middle. Not a heart that it's just okay to go along to get along not a heart that's callous, not a heart that's cold, but a heart that says, God, will you take this heart of stone and will you give me a heart of flesh? Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Therefore, are we going to war against this sin is the real question. Are we going to war against the sin and idols and altars that have been built up in our lives? Are we going to war against it? Are we just okay? They're hanging around. We'll never be the people. We'll never be the families. We'll never be the church. We'll never be the nation that God longs for us to be as long as, as long as we keep these idols built, these altars built in our lives. We'll never be. We'll never be. Hear my heart on this. We'll never be individuals. We'll never be families. We'll never be churches. We'll never be the nation that God has called us to be as long as we allow these altars and these idols to remain in our lives that's why our last key verse here write it down last key verse here it is. 1 john 217 first john 217 says this and the world is passing away did you catch that along with its desire but whoever does the will of god abides forever let me read that again this is a powerful potent verse that all of us should memorize here it is First John 2, 17, and the world is passing away along with all its desires, but whoever does, but whoever obeys the will of God abides forever. Did you catch that? This world is passing away. But all the stuff of this world, all the things that we think are going to give us that hope and security and identity, well, if I buy this, live here, drive this, whatever, fill in the blank, if I just, if I just, if I just. It's a dangerous game to play, isn't it? If I just, if I just. How about if we just obey the Lord? We start obeying the Lord. Don't worry about the stuff that's passing away. It's here today and gone tomorrow. Life's but a vapor. It's what are we doing today for the audience of one to show that our worship is real, it's pure, it's undefiled, it's authentic. That's the goal is we make disciples that make disciples. That's why sin has four phases. And it appears so innocently, doesn't it? First, we think about it. And we start thinking, don't we? Well, that mind starts working. The more you think about a problem, the bigger the problem becomes. And we think about it, and we think about it, and we think about it. And then what do we do? Well, now that it's on our mind, we start leaning in, don't we? Start leaning in a little bit. And before you know it, we not only lean in, but then we dive in. So we think, we lean in, we dive in. And number four, sin begins to take up residence in our lives. Those idols, those altars, they're everywhere. So that's why the takeaway question is so important. It's simple, but here's the takeaway question for today. And answer honestly. Actually ask someone as you ask yourself this, to speak truth in your life. I actually had someone come up to me after the first service. They said, I want to meet with you because I want you to show me the areas where I'm missing the Lord because I know I am. That's awesome, isn't it? Like, I was doing cartwheels. I mean, imagine if we all did that, myself included. Find someone who you can go to, you trust, and say, look, when you see my life, when you see it, What do you see in my life that I value most? Because how I live my life will be a billboard, a neon sign for what I value most. You can't escape it. You can't keep it hidden. It's not covert. You you can't be one of those that goes, you know, hey, I'm I'm in for Jesus on Sunday and the rest of the week, you know, it's really not that real important to me. At some point, here's the deal. Listen closely. You can only keep up the charade for so long. At some point, it's going to get exposed for me and for you. That's why the action step is this. Here it is, action step. Write it down. I will daily seek to be obedient to God's call on my life. Pretty simple, isn't it? So just think about that for a moment. If I leave here today, if you leave here today saying, look, here's the deal. Man, we're all in for Jesus. We're going to seek to be obedient to Him, audience of one. One. Don't worry about everyone else right now, but audience of one, as we seek to please him today, watch what he does. Put him to the test. Watch how he blesses. Watch how he guides. Watch how he takes your mess and creates a message. Watch how he takes your trials and creates triumph. Watch what he does that he'll take your brokenness and give you a breakthrough that you never imagined. That's how our God works. But we got to remember, as James 1.19 says, it's a practical way. James 1.19, a practical way to flesh out obedience. James 1.19, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So how can you listen? How can you listen? Listen to the Word of God. Listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. And lastly, listen to wise counsel of godly people around you. Surround yourself with godly people. Bad company corrupts. If you got people that are pouring nonsense into you, nonsense from you is going to get poured out. Surround yourself. Find, ladies, find a bunch of women that will get around you. Men, get some men around you. Don't be isolated. If you isolate yourself, the enemy's got you in his crosshairs right where he wants you. Father, we come before You today as we have opened Your Word. God, I pray that You are speaking in a powerful way right now. All across this room, God, I pray would You just be speaking in a mighty way. God, I pray that there will be a stirring right now. Not to be a casual Christian. Not to ride the fence. Not to be half in. God, I pray for someone today, maybe many people today in this room that God, I pray this will be the day, the day in their life that they said, I am all in for Jesus. I surrender all is no longer a song. It's the mantra of my life. So God, will you do a work? Will you do it now? God, show us what our battle cry should be for those believers in the room today.